the Rebbe knew how to use every tool, other communities might be scared of the internet. But the Rebbe wasn't scared. The Rebbe knew that we have to use all these tools can all be used to bring huge amounts of light. Everything that can bring darkness can also be used for light. Art is such a huge tool. It's a humongous tool in this world. It's a spiritual tool. Everything spiritual can go to the ultimate extreme of darkness or the ultimate extreme of light. And the Rebbe knew that. And he was telling artists, we have to use this gift. And he actually did call it a gift. It's a gift from Hashem to have a talent that you can use and you have to use it to express godliness to the best of your ability. I'm Tanya, and you are listening to Human and Holy, a podcast where we discuss the deepest parts of Torah, not just as scholars, but also as human beings. Today's episode is dedicated by the Gararis in honor of their father's yard site, Yosef Yitzchak Ben Shalom Dovber, which is on Yud Nisan. His mission in life was the chinuch of his children, and his honesty and joy inspired many. His love for life was contagious, and he is missed dearly by all who were lucky to know him. May the learning in this episode be an aliyah for his neshama. Thank you to the Gararis for making today's episode happen. If you are listening to this and would like to support the work of Human and Holy or sponsor an episode of the podcast, please visit humanandholy.com slash sponsor or reach out to us at info at humanandholy.com. Today is the second episode in a quick two-part series on Hasidus and the arts. Last week, we heard from Amy Guderson about what Hasidus can teach us about the creative process and how enriching the arts can be in our connection to Hasidus. Today, you will hear from Rivka Krinsky, who is an exceptional oil painter located in Miami Beach, whose work has been shown around the world, most recently at Art Basel in Miami. Her paintings are powerful and rich. And today she opens up to share how the Rebbe's perspective on artists informs her work and the way she sees the world. Rivka shares a personal miracle that she experienced through the Rebbe as a child, which only came full circle for her as an adult. Yudalif Nisan, which is the Rebbe's birthday, is just a couple days away. This is Human and Holy's birthday present to the Rebbe, a celebration of his impact on every facet of our lives. Today, we celebrate the Rebbe's unique vision for artists and the way he saw the arts as a tool with which to transform the world. Hi, my name is Rivka Krinsky. I'm from Los Angeles, and I currently live in Miami Beach. Born and raised Chabad. I work as an artist. I do oil paintings. I'm very deeply rooted in my Yiddishkeit and connection to Hasidus and the Rebbe. 
mom of four. Nice. Thank God. Today, we're going to talk about a real miracle that you experienced. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah. I don't have clear memories of the story. I have memories of being told this story throughout my entire life. I was only not even two years old when this happened, but I grew up with this story like deeply ingrained in who I am and it became part of my person and part of my connection to Chabad, even to the Rebbe, I would say, looking back at this. Basically, I was a toddler in a playgroup in somebody's house and I believe it was Erev Shabbos, and there was a very hot stove on, and I had wandered into the kitchen. I guess it wasn't the most professional environment. I somehow wandered into the kitchen and put my hands onto the burning hot stove, got a terrible burn. They called my parents immediately, but it was Erev Shabbos, so my parents bandaged it and went into Shabbos, and after Shabbos, they took off the bandage, and on my toddler hand was a burn the size of a golf ball. That's how my mother always described it to me. On my tiny hand, there was a massive blister the size of a golf ball. So they immediately rushed me to my pediatrician and he took a look and he said, I'm sorry, you need to go see a burn specialist. They took me to the top burn specialist in LA and he looked at it and he said, I'm so sorry, but she's never going to be able to use this hand. There's so much nerve damage. There's nothing we can do. We'll treat it, but she's going to lose the function of this hand. So my parents, being the devoted Balchuva Lubavitchers that they are, the second they got home, they called the Rebbe's office and they spoke to Rabbi Klein and told him what happened and asked for a bracha. And he called them back right away and said, the Rebbe said that, don't worry, not to worry. She's going to have her foshlema. So they were like, okay, like breathe, you know. And the burn specialist had wanted to see me every day to see the progress. So they brought me back the next day and he unwrapped the bandage and he said, okay, maybe I spoke too soon. It looks like she may be able to move her finger. She may have some sort of function. They took me back the next day and he was like, again, like, okay, maybe I was mistaken. This is the top burn specialist in Los Angeles. Maybe I was mistaken. She looks like she'll be able to move her fingers. And so it went like every day that they took me back. He was like floored. I I cannot believe. But in the end, she will have a complete recovery. I fully recovered. Like 100% revealed miracle. They told him that they got a bracha and he was just like, for sure, this is God. Yeah, so that's the story. And I always grew up saying that story as my Rebbe story. And I felt very proud as a young child. I always would tell that story when like it came up in school, you know, what's your connection to the Rebbe and all that. I just grew up like it became a routine. Like I would always tell that story. My classmates all know this story. Rifka and her burn. Yeah. That's my Rebbe story, but. Wow. Yeah. Thank God. When did you put two and two together? Like this bracha that the Rebbe gave for your hand to be healed and your work as an artist who uses her hand to express her soul. It's crazy. I'm 36 years old and I literally only this year put two and two together of that because I grew up just, it was just such a part of me. 
thinking back, it really forged a connection of me to the Rebbe, like that the Rebbe is like this figure that watches over me and takes care of me. And I feel very deeply connected to the Rebbe. And I think it has a lot to do with that, growing up with that, knowing that the Rebbe took care of me and like saved my hand. But I only started painting when I was older, like 20. And I just only recently, I was like, this is insane. I use my hand. My hand is my work. Everything comes through when I'm painting. Like It's almost like it's not me. It's like a vessel. It's a very out-of-world experience when I'm in deep in a painting. I can't really explain it. Like When I'm in it, not thinking about what I'm going to do or even sketching it, but when I'm in the actual work of creating and the colors and the forms and just it comes out of me like very, I'm not really there. It's an amazing, amazing feeling. And I always say thank you, Hashem, for letting this come through me. And I don't know how to explain it. But so now when I think about the fact that the Rebbe literally saved my hands, blessed my hands, like it kind of makes sense. I don't know if other artists also feel that way when they're in the middle of a creative work. But even when I started painting, like I was always thinking to myself, everything that I'm producing is straight from Hashem. Like it's not really me. I don't know how to explain that. I don't feel like I'm there when I'm deep in a painting, in the work. Now that I think about it, it's like, okay, I feel like that blessing is pulsing through my hand in a sense. It makes sense to me. When I start to think about it, I become like very emotional, like honestly. Thank God, I feel very blessed and I really am grateful for the Rabbi. Yeah. I think that the fact that you're using the hand that was healed through the Rebbe's bracha and that you could feel that, that you feel that your hand is a channel for the divine when you're creating. Right. Like even when people compliment me, they'll be like, oh, you're such an amazing artist or you're such an amazing painter. It's almost like, thank you. But it's honestly like, I feel like it's not really me. It's like a separate thing. It's different from Rivka. When the work comes together and I'm in the work, it's almost like, okay, but like, it's not me. Like, it's not me. I don't like the egotistical, like, I feel like it's separate from me. What comes out? I don't know. <laughs> not being so eloquent. <laughs> I feel it so deeply. Even before you got emotional, I just felt tears welling up in my eyes. I could feel the enormity of what you've experienced and how it's continuing in your life in such a beautiful way. You're an artist. You literally create beauty and often about Jewish themes. And there's a soul to your art that I don't always see in art. So it's really special to hear this story that your hand is miraculous. And the Rebbe was such a huge proponent for the arts and such a fan of art and spoke to artists and about art. And I've gotten letters I've opened the Igris before, which is not something that I do so often, but I've randomly opened it at times where I felt like I needed a connection and have gotten insane letters to artists detailing things that I personally go through. So there's just different levels here that I just feel so grateful to have a connection to the Rebbe and like feel like I can depend on him in that way. I think because I grew up with this miracle story that happened to me. And it's like such a blatant miracle. Like, what do you mean? She's never going to be able to use her hand. Okay. Like a mor- literally a miracle. Her hand is fully healed. I don't even have a scar. Like there's nothing. I wouldn't even know where the burn is. There's absolutely nothing. My hands are perfect. Like it's crazy. And I think that that 
really also developed my feeling of a relationship with the Rebbe, which I wouldn't call myself Hasidish or like I was never that girl, you know, in school with the Chitas, but I feel very deeply connected. And I think it has a lot to do with that when I think back on why that is. That's interesting. I think it really impacted my life in a big way. Just the other little cute fact that someone else pointed out when I shared this story, Rabbi Klein was the deliverer of this bracha from the Rebbe, and he, I married his grandson. So it just feels very sweet. And even right after we got married, Rabbi Klein also always loved my Shalom. He loved my art, and he would always ask me about my art when I would see him. I just think back about that now also, and just another special little element. That is really special. Something you couldn't have known all the way back then. (laughs) And I think it's interesting that you only put the two and two together about you being an artist and having the burn in your hand later in life. You said just this last year. Yeah, because I was thinking, oh, maybe I should share that Rebbe story. I was sharing a Rebbe painting on Instagram Mm. and I was like, maybe it was on the Rebbe's birthday. And and I was like, oh, I should put that story in. And I was like, what? Rivka, this is insane. I don't even have words. I can't believe I just made this connection, but that's exactly what happened. And it's a little embarrassing, but I think because I became an artist later in life and the story was just natural part of my life growing up. So just when I was sharing it now with the Rebbe painting, I was like, Rifko, <laughs> it's crazy. It's honestly crazy. I'm just very grateful. I'm like, yeah. Can you share a little bit more about your experience of creativity as being miraculous? Because you mentioned how you really feel yourself step aside a little bit, which is really what an open miracle is, is when you kind of see the bounds of nature stepping back for a second just to see Hashem's hand so clearly. So I kind of feel like you're describing that in your creative process. Would you be able to expound on that? I don't want to come across as sounding like God is working through me or like some weird egotistical trip. I don't think that at all. It's more like the humble side of me that when my paintings are coming together and coming alive, and a lot of times my paintings are described as alive, and that that is an attribute that I really, how do I know if a painting is complete? Like it feels alive to me. Like it's so full of life. Every painting I create, that's where I'm going. That's my goal. So I know that it's happened when I, look at an edge, just like pulsating with life and color and textures. That's really how I work. That's my style. And that's how a lot of times my work is described also. You were saying you don't want it to sound like this egotistical trip, which is so funny because you were saying that that is actually the ultimate humility is saying that it's not me, it's Hashem working through me. So that's not egotistical at all. I think that's extremely humble to be able to acknowledge Hashem working through you, through your talents and through your expression. I also don't ever want to lose that feeling of humbleness with work. Every time a painting comes to life, I do a lot of portraits. When I capture a person, when the family tells me, I don't understand, like it feels like I'm looking at my grandfather. It feels like they're in the room with me. People tell me this, or I'm looking at the Rebbe, like I feel him, like I feel like he's with me. That's how I know when the work is good. And it can't be me because it's not something I can, I don't know where it happens, where it becomes from paint and canvas and my hand drawing the lines and the shapes. And I don't know where the transition is, where all of a sudden it's alive. I don't know. So it happens in the process. So that's why I feel like I I can't even take credit 
for it, it's like a ruchnias experience. It's a very spiritual experience for me. And every time I complete a painting, I'm very grateful. Like I say thank you to Hashem that it came out how I feel it was meant to be, that the work came out the way it should have been. And this creation like came to life in the way that it was meant to come to life. So it's almost like I'm not even part of it in a sense. Yeah, I'm the vessel. I, I truly believe that. Your channel. That's why I get uncomfortable with too many compliments. I'm uncomfortable with posting on Instagram. I make myself do it because that's where a lot of the business is. And it's good to share. And you're supposed to share your artwork with the world. It's inspirational and et cetera, et cetera. But I do go back and forth with my relationship with sharing it in terms of too many compliments. I don't know how to explain it. I don't want to lose the humility and... I don't like when it's too much like, oh, Rivka, you're amazing. Mm. It makes me uncomfortable. It just, it doesn't feel real. I'm like, okay, I just feel blessed that Hashem gave me this talent and that it's coming out in the right way. And if I could put it to use in a good way, then I'm grateful. Because the compliments are not acknowledging the source. It's not me. Like what? I don't know. Hashem gave me a talent and I feel grateful that I can use it and make the most of it. And I want to create and I want to work to the best of my ability. But the actual talent, like it's not actually, it's nothing I did. This is such a beautiful metaphor to me of life. When things start coming together, you mentioned, when does it morph from just being canvas and paint to just being something that's alive, something that's more than just the materials that make it up? Miracles are in everything that we do and that everything that we're experiencing. And I think that we don't always know what is the bridge between the materials and the effort we're putting in to the outcomes that we see. So hearing you talk to me with such humility about being a vessel for Hashem's creations coming through you makes me think about birthing children, raising a family, having a relationship, you know? Yeah. Every painting is a birth, by the way. And I've had four mm. home births. So it is. You're 100%. You nailed it. You've spoken about how the Rebbe's perspective on artists has impacted your own life and just your connection to the Rebbe in general. Can you share any specific instances or stories or messages from the Rebbe that has really shaped you as a person and as an artist? A few years ago, we were trying to decide if we should move to Miami from Los Angeles. I was going back and forth. There were so many reasons to stay. My family, there were so many reasons to move. Los Angeles was failing and there was just a lot going on in my kids' school. And we kept going back and forth, weighing the pros and cons. We could not figure it out. And my husband, he was leaving it up to me because we would be leaving my family. So a lot of the decision was falling into my court. I couldn't figure it out. It's not really my personality, although I do feel very connected to the Rebbe. Like I don't open the Igris every other day, but I was so stuck and so torn kept going back and forth. Like, I don't know what to do right now. So we had to make a decision. The school in Miami was like, are you coming? Are you not? We have other people who want your spot. COVID was happening. There was so much going on. And we had no idea which way. Nobody knew what was going on at that point, And we had to decide. I was in my parents' house. I didn't even have a set of the Igris in my house. My mom is a big devotee. So I just opened up one of the English Igris, which are letters from the Rebbe. On one page, there was a letter addressed to a well-known man who lived in Miami Beach, who had a lot of 
Mordechai Shal Lando, Oliver Shalom, and he had a lot of correspondence with the Rebbe. So on one side was a letter to him addressed to Miami Beach, which is where we were looking to move. And on the other side, there was a letter to a depressed artist. I am an artist and I have dealt with depression. That's a whole other thing. I'm also a Pisces, so that could tell you a lot about all that. I'm just a classic Pisces artist, depressed artist. I realized later that it was actually a letter that the Rebbe wrote to Handel Lieberman, the famous Hasidic artist. The Rebbe was just talking about how an artist can fall into depression and tools that we need to do and use to see the world in a more positive light. So the Rebbe is basically saying in the letter, the primary talent of an artist is his ability to step away from the externalities of the object and really see the essence of what's going on inside and be able to convey that in his artwork, whatever medium that is. He enables the viewer to see this essence, the artist's perspective, and he enables the viewer to see this object or form or painting, sculpture, whatever it is, in a way that has never been seen before. He's revealing the essence of that thing. We're peeling back the external layers. Like That's our mission in this world as Jewish people, is to reveal God's light everything in this world was contracted and covered up with all these elements that blur Hashem's essence and his light. And our whole reason of being alive is to understand that everything in this world is all Hashem. There's nothing besides him. So in a way, we have to peel back all the externalities and reveal the essence. And when you're stuck in this place of darkness, you have to understand that it's not real. It might feel really real and really difficult, but we have to understand that there is light at the core and we have to be able to separate the external negativity and reveal the positivity, you know, reveal the light that's there. Wow. That was the gist of the letter. I try to focus on that daily. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lifelong work. I mean, that is our mission. Yeah. In the world. So he's relating that to what an artist does or tries to do. Right. That's actually what's amazing about it is showcasing how the artist actually has such an important role in society and helping us do that. And specifically in Jewish society, helping us see the essence of reality that that's your job as an artist is to peel back the layers of concealment to show other people what you can see. Right. I mean, that's what every artist is trying to convey, like what they see and the deeper meaning. Does that message help you with your feelings of sadness as an artist? When I remember to focus on that, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Well, first of all, it okay, let's just say having that experience where I received those two letters, we ended up moving to Miami and it strengthened my connection in the fact that I was like, the Rebbe's talking to me right now. And it's a whole story, but my friend was trying to find us a house. We couldn't find a house. An hour after I opened up the Icarus and saw those two letters, my friend messaged me a house on... She's like, oh, what about this house? And she messages me this house. And it was on the same street as the address of the letter on North Bay Road, the house that we ended up moving to when we first got here. Like We couldn't find anything. She was like, oh, what about this? It was literally on North Bay Road, just the house that the Rebbe addressed. That's where Mordechai Shalalanda had lived a few blocks up on North Bay Road. So that was crazy. 
And I was like, of course, the Reb is talking to me. Like my decision is made. A letter to an artist who struggles with, obviously was he had after I read up about the letter and I read up about his life. It's like, we can't compare struggles. There's absolutely, obviously no way he dealt with insane, horrible struggles in his life before he came to America. It's a whole thing with Hendel Lieberman, lost his family, et cetera. I'm not comparing myself, but it was just fascinating to get that letter. It kind of strengthened my connection to the Rebbe in general. We did move. My mom really did not want us to move, of course. And I was like, mom, look at these letters. (laughs) And after that, she's, okay, I'm not going to argue with this. (laughs) It's hard to argue with the Rebbe. Yes. So in general, overall, receiving those letters, I felt really strongly like the Rebbe was talking to me and guiding me, which is huge to feel that. And I feel really blessed that I was able to receive that message. And I do refer back to that letter. Obviously, when you're in a darker place, it's hard to emerge. But in my regular life, when I'm generally fine, thank God, I do try to remember these lessons. And I do reread the letter occasionally. And I think about it. Earlier, when you were speaking about the Rebbe blessing your hand, and how it later came full circle for you, that you are an artist and your hand was healed by blessing from the Rebbe. You spoke about your hand being a vessel for God to work through and how an artist can be a channel for a godly message. And in this letter of the Rebbe, the Rebbe is speaking about how that's an artist's goal. And I'm wondering in your own work, how you are inspired by that. What are you trying to reveal about reality? to the person looking at your painting? Or is there a specific painting that you could think of where you were consciously doing that? I mean, every painting, I hope to inspire some kind of emotion, reaction. I do have a darker side to my personality. When I first started painting, a lot of my earlier works were a little bit darker. As I got older, I started to veer trying to keep it a little more uplifting and think about the things that I want to have in my own home to uplift the environment versus always being confronted with heaviness, especially since I do have a lot of heaviness in my personality, which the average person would have no idea, by the way, because I present very bubbly and cute and happy. So (laughs) unless you know me really well, there is that side of me. But I guess when I do a painting for myself, not a commission where I'm painting somebody's grandfather, etc. But just in my own work, I do try to figure out like how I can get a message across in some way. Recently, I started a new series called Objects of Worship. This new series is commenting on the concept of worship. And as Jewish people, we have all these ways in which we pray to Hashem, objects of worship. So we used to fill in, we use Shabbos candles. Those are the first two I started with, but I have ideas for more paintings in the series. And in the paintings, there's, let's say the first one, there's a man wearing tefillin and then he's wearing like an insanely expensive, fancy watch. And in the Shabbos candle painting, I have a woman sobbing to Hashem, like it's the most holy moment for Jewish women of the week where we're pouring out our hearts to Hashem every week when we light candles. And she's decked out in lavish designer jewelry, like very decadent and blingy, I would say. 
So I'm just trying to point out the juxtaposition of like, as Jewish people, we're, we get caught, not Jewish people, but in certain communities, or I guess in my experience recently, especially like in the age of Instagram and social media, a lot of us get caught up in so much of the externalities and what we're showing off to the world, like objects of status, basically. My series is trying to point out, like, what are we actually worshiping? I saw those paintings and I was so struck by it. And it was so powerful because of how intense each experience was. Like there was a real experience of worship and there was a real experience of worship of material objects, or like you said, objects of status or whatever it is for a person. And just like seeing them side by side in one painting, both shining so brightly, I guess I would say, was really thought provoking. Thank you. I appreciate that you were able to get that. I think not everyone understands it at first. A lot of people actually were messaging me like, oh, can you do this with my watch? This is so cool. Can Mm. you do this with my jewelry? Is this a person you know? Which is fine. Like I'm not not like putting... but. Thank you for understanding right away. I think when I write the title, Objects of Worship, then people immediately get it. But if you don't actually know the title right away, you might not necessarily understand unless like you would, of course. But yeah, that's the concept. I can just give you an idea of the next one in the series that I want to do. It's going to be a bird's eye view of a very insanely lavish Shabbos table. Mm. Very over the top. And I love an amazing tablescape. So I just want to point out that I'm not putting anyone down with any of these things at all. It's also about myself. Like, what's the purpose here? Why am I making a beautiful Shabbos meal? Yes, like I want to celebrate Shabbos and we're supposed to do that. But like at how much? So I'm going to do this crazy, crazy tablescape, gorgeous designer plates, etc. And I'm most excited about this part. but. You're going to see, I don't know yet, I didn't sketch it out yet, but you're going to see a part of a golden calf on a platter, maybe like a leg. So it's just like, what are we worshiping here? Is it Hashem? What are we trying to say? Who's this for? Mm. Anyway, so I'm excited about that next piece. And I have a few others lined up, but that's the one I'm planning to work on next. That is brilliant. (laughs) Thank you. Oh my gosh. Even just the concept of it without even seeing the image itself, I'm like, oof. Because like you were saying, having a beautiful tablescape for Shabbos and honoring Shabbos and making Shabbos beautiful is definitely a really holy act. But then you have to ask yourself, when is it about the guests who are coming over? And when is it actually about Shabbos? And when are you pushing yourself to a limit that isn't healthy? Like the image of how it looks versus actually honoring the Shabbos, you know? Being aware of the tension is healthy for us. Exactly. I think I'm not trying to say anything so negative. I'm just trying to, even for myself, just bring awareness to this tension where it is a slippery slope and it does get messy. Yes, like Pesach programs, everything, like we want to honor the holidays. We do. And it's amazing and beautiful. But like how much? And for every person, that's going to be different. It's a question I try to ask myself. Yeah. And so I'm just putting it on the canvas. Yeah. Well, that's what I love. Just like the Rebbe said in his letter, it's really just about pointing something out. You're not really drawing any conclusions. It's just asking the question. And then when everyone asks themselves that question, I think that the results are powerful. Thank you. I love it. I love the series. I'm so excited to watch it develop. I could imagine that there could probably be 
30 paintings in the series if you wanted there to be. <laughs> I have a list. I keep notes on my phone when I get inspired. There are so many juxtapositions to draw, like in all the different things we do in our religion and, you know, a menorah on a crazy car. There's just so many. There's so many. Yeah. And I love it because I also love the subjects. It's fun for me to paint a beautiful watch. <laughs> I enjoy it. I can't wait to paint an insane tablescape. I'm obsessed with flowers. <laughs> so exciting to me. <laughs> That's great. Something that comes to mind for me is the fact that sometimes in Judaic art, I see no tension whatsoever. It's just these perfect, holy scenes. But this tension that you're describing, I think, is inherent to being a Jew in a material world. And knowing that Hasidus tells us that all physical objects could be used for spiritual purposes, I think that actually being able to strike that balance only happens when you're aware of the tension and you're constantly checking in in your life. So I think that this type of artwork that does express tension and isn't just perfect and neat and holy and kind of the answer, but is more of a question, is really significant for me personally when I see that type of art and being able to stay connected to the tension and not either find some type of self-delusional arrival in the spiritual setting because I think that within the holiness itself, there is that tension and that constant balancing act that we're experiencing. Of like, am I actually using the physical world for spiritual reasons or am I getting caught up in the material world? I think that you can be a trendsetter in terms of expressing tension in Judaic art. Yeah, I like to ask the questions. In general, I like to try to provoke some kind of reaction. And I like layers and I like meaning and... I've done all the classic, you know, I love to paint a coattail, but like how many times and it's beautiful and I love all that, but I do have a darkness inside of me that I also have to express and every artist has to express their truth and their essence and what they're trying to say. Also, I remember I was reading about something else the Rebbe was saying about, just like to point out how much the Rebbe understood art. It's so fascinating. Because obviously the Rebbe was like a master at every subject. It's actually insane. But since I'm an artist, I'm interested in what the Rebbe said about art. And just in terms of like tensions and the push and pull that's so constant and prevalent, the Rebbe was talking about, I'm not sure to who he was talking about this, but he spoke to a few different artists, like Jack Lifshitz. I'm not sure if it was to him or Baruch Nachshon. I don't remember. But... He was talking about shadow and light. Mm. And this also talks to me in terms of the whole depression because the Rebbe is talking about how art is really about the balance of the light and the dark. Every time I make a painting, I squint. At certain points in the painting, I squint my eyes so that I can see where the dark is and where the light is. And that's how you create a beautiful painting is you're always thinking about the push and pull of the light and dark. So you need the shadows and you need the light. Like they need each other to bring the other part out. Without the shadow, you can't see how light something is. And the shadows are like the negativity in this world, the darkness, the klipa. And the Rebbe was comparing that, how like we need all the horrible things that happen in this world and the klipa and it's so dark and it's so hard to live in this world, especially for a Pisces, I'll point out. This world is very intense. Are you a Pisces? I am a Pisces. Oh my God. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> to you too. 
So, you know, (laughs) we're very emotional, deep artists. It's an intense world. (laughs) It's such an intense world. And I always need to remember, and I really appreciate that lesson, that in order for all of Hashem's light and all the light, all the goodness in this world is seen so much more because we have the juxtaposition of the darkness. So, you need that. We need to have this dark to see the light. It makes it shine brighter. It makes it lighter. So it's just, you need that in art. That's what the world is. It's just so interesting. I love that concept. Oh, that is beautiful. The push and pull between shadow and light. That's literally how you make a beautiful painting. Like the rabbit just knows everything. Because so many people who are artists don't necessarily even understand shadow and light. That's how you make a dynamic, beautiful painting. You need to have the darkest darks. You need to have the lightest lights. That's how you create the dynamic painting that you want. So it's just so, I love that. Oh, that's so beautiful. If there's like a one note painting, it can be beautiful. Like I've seen artists who don't necessarily work with shadow and light who can make pretty paintings. There is a beauty to them, but it's missing that dimension. Like you said, like that dynamic energy that like pulls you in. Exactly. And you wouldn't necessarily even know why as a viewer, why you're feeling more pulled in, but it's because of that. You need both. Yeah. That tension. You sent me a video of the Baruch Nachshon speaking about his interactions with the Rebbe in regards to his art. Can you share that interaction with us? And then we'll talk a little bit about it. So everyone who's interested in art should watch this video because it's so special. And Baruch Nachshon, he's talking about how when he went to the Rebbe, he showed the Rebbe his paintings and he made an art show. And it's actually really cool because... When I looked at the photos of this, when Baruch Nachshon was showing the Rebbe all his paintings, both of my husband's grandfathers are in the photos. And oh like, it's God. so poignant to me. Rabbi Krinsky and Rabbi Klein, Al Vashalem, who are the Rebbe's secretaries. So I love that they're in the pictures with the Rebbe and like Baruch Nachshon and looking at these paintings. Like, I just love it. So he was just talking about his and how the Rebbe guided him. But one part I really liked was he was saying, the Rebbe is so amazing. The Rebbe even asked me, like, how were the sales of my artwork at the gallery? And he said, like, I told the Rebbe, when the people heard the prices of my paintings, they fainted. Oh my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> because I can relate to that. And the Rebbe said, so only sell to healthy people. Oh my God. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So good. I just, yeah. And the Rebbe really pushed him to, told him to sell his paintings all over the world in all forms. And really like artwork is really so important for people. He even said, oh my gosh, this is actually amazing. The Rebbe said, what a person sees with his eyes is even more satisfying than what he eats. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Like what we see, what we take in with our eyes is more satisfying than what we eat. And that's saying a lot to the Jewish nation (laughs) because we do like our food. And really like the paintings that a person has in their house can actually affect their household in a positive light. If you have the right kind of work up on your walls, it physically affects your household. Wow. And brings like light into your house. So I just love that. The Rebel is so supportive of artists and not all Hasidic communities are. I think Lubavitch might be one of the, I don't know if it's the only one, but the Rebbe was very supportive of art. If you had to explain why you think it is that the Rebbe was so supportive of art, what would you say? Just your opinion. 
Well, I think the rebel is not scared of anything. I think a lot of communities might get scared by the unknown and something that could easily veer off into not such a holy place. And the Rebbe just knew how to make everything a godly vessel. The Rebbe knew how to use every tool. Other communities might be scared of the internet, but the Rebbe wasn't scared. The Rebbe knew that we have to use all these tools can all be used to bring huge amounts of light. Everything that can bring darkness can also be used for light. And the Rebbe understood that. And art is such a huge tool. It's a humongous tool in this world. It's a spiritual tool. Everything spiritual can go to the ultimate extreme of darkness or the ultimate extreme of light. And the Rebbe knew that. And he was telling artists, we have to use this gift. And he actually did call it a gift. Mm. It's a gift from Hashem to have a talent that you can use to express and you have to use it to express godliness to the best of your ability. That was so beautiful. I love how you quoted the Rebbe saying that the things that you see can be more satisfying than the things that you eat. And it is so true that when you're surrounded by a certain type of art, it could make you more aware of your values. It could make you more aware of the brighter parts of life. It really does change the environment. So that validation is really beautiful. Totally. Even just like on the, such a physical level, I often change out paintings in my own house just because like I'll sell one, I'll put another one up. There's no room in my studio. I'll put it up in my house. Like uh, it's a rotating gallery, which is <laughs> fun. But every time I put a new piece in, it changes the entire room. Like yeah. the colors, what it is, it really changes the whole energy of a space. Whenever a person puts a painting in their house, it really changes the energy. And it affects the viewer. It affects your kids, like what they see on the walls. Yeah. Just like with music, when you hear music, you connect to the soul of the person who wrote the music. I for sure believe the same thing happens with art. You're connecting to the soul of the artist when you see their work. Yeah. That's why it's worthwhile to invest in Jewish art. A hundred percent. And I love all art, but I do think it's, especially like with kids, I think it's really important to have Jewish art, even if the subject is not like a hundred Jewish. I do believe you're connecting to the soul of the artist. So that's something to think about when we hang things up in our homes. Yeah. And hearing it from you, I think is even more powerful to me because you are actually someone who is painting. And so you feel that deep connection that you have to your paintings. And then that gives you a better understanding of the deep connection other artists have to their paintings and why there's such a deep connection between a creation of an artist and so, their essence. A hundred percent. Like even if you go to a museum, I find for me personally, if I go into a section where there's a lot of German artists from a certain time, I feel so dark. Mm. Like I feel darkness. It's crazy. You get different energies are coming out from the piece. I think it's real. So yeah, let's surround ourselves with light, holiness. Let's try. Yeah. What would be your words of advice to a Jewish artist? Okay. So I guess Jewish versus any artist, any artist, I would say you have to just keep developing your craft and figuring out who you personally are and like what you have to say. It's easy when you're starting out, like you see what other people have done to become successful or what works for them. In order to work towards your own success, which I'm still trying to do, I'm not have not accomplished this by any means, but you have to keep figuring out your own personal voice 
and also value yourself. I think in a lot of artists' nature to undervalue ourselves. You know, you're creating something, you don't know if anyone wants it. Like, oh my God, you want my piece? Like, well, okay, like here, just take it, you know? But we have to put a value. And when you value yourself, others value you as well. I really found that. And with a Jewish artist, I think like what the Rebbe says, like we have to use all these physical tools that we're using, like paints and clay, like whatever it is, you can actually convert these things into a tool, like a spiritual thing. You can use all these physical tools and create something spiritual with it that could really positively influence people. I think like in this world, there's so much darkness that we see and it's promoted, the media always promotes the darkest things, you know, it's harder to see the light, especially these days, with so much going on. And we're confronted with it at every turn. Every time you open your phone, you see like something else that horrible that happened. I think everyone needs to figure out like how they can contribute to the light in this world. And artists can do that. Like really, we really can do that. I think we need to try. Nice. What I love about artists' contribution to the world is that for artists, it's usually like a primal need to create. It's such a natural progression, like you just indulging your desire to create and focusing on objects of light that can have a huge impact on the world. Yeah. And that's actually your job. And it's not always easy to create. Sometimes you get stuck. I know you are an artist. I don't know if you're always feeling inspired. It's easy to get stuck. Sometimes even if you don't feel like it or you don't feel that inspiration, you have to actually just do the work and like just start and the inspiration could come while you're doing it. If you don't do anything, it's not going to come. Like we have to actually go and put a paintbrush to your canvas. You might not wake up feeling inspired, but if you actually go and do the work, the inspiration will come to you. And we do. Hashem wants us to use those tools. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rifka. Thank you for sharing just about your journey as an artist, everything from the Rebbe that has inspired you over the course of these last couple of years or, or your life. I feel like for you, it's so full circle. You know, that story from when you were a little girl coming full circle now to you as an artist, just talking about the Rebbe's perspective on artists and how he could use those gifts to transform the world feels like a full circle moment. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to express these things that are in me and I haven't ever really spoken about so much. So thank you. My pleasure. (laughs) My absolute pleasure. What is your medium, your art form, either in a studio or in life? Creativity takes on many forms. The rep is said, An artist reveals the essence of the thing that they are painting. How do you reveal the essence of the things you see? How do you communicate your perspective of the godly reality? Through your words, your paintbrush, your friendships, your voice. Each of us sees the world through our own perspectives. When we express the depth that we see, We illuminate the godly reality for the people around us, and slowly, it becomes more revealed for the entire world.
שאלוקיי זקני נא בתורתך ובמצוותיך לחבר את נשמתי תמיד אליך Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, I want to invite you to leave a rating or a review. It helps other people find the podcast. And you know, we're all about getting Hasidus into every corner of the world. I also want to invite you, if you really loved it, to share it with a friend who you think might love it too. If you would like to sponsor an episode, you can reach out to us at humanandholy at gmail.com. To give to Human and Holy in any amount, visit humanandholy.com slash sponsor. You can follow us on Instagram at humanandholy, and you can stay up to date with everything we do by signing up for our newsletter on humanandholy.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you.